The service of prayer and preaching for Sexagesima, February 12th, 2023. The opening hymn is LSB 652, Father, We Thank Thee. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. 
proclaim that his name is exalted. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. A reading from Isaiah, the 55th chapter. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The introit is verses from Psalm 44. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Rise up, come to our help. O God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. But you have saved us from our foes, and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Rise up, come to our help. A reading from 2 Corinthians, the 11th and 12th chapters. For you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who fourteen years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf... I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being too elated by the the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And a reading from Luke, the eighth chapter. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, 
And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit, with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Continue with the common responsory on page 263. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house, and the place where your glory dwells. We continue with the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Last week, we pondered the great treasure of grace alone, and this week, we turn to Scripture alone. If one wants to know anything about God, you simply have to hear what he says. The obvious focus for this day is to reflect upon the third commandment, which is given to protect God's word. One of the hallmarks of the Reformation was a calling the church to repentance on the authority of God's word. Sola Scriptura was the phrase. It is the belief, the confession, the declaration that the Bible is God's inerrant and infallible word, in which he reveals his law and his gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. As such, it is the sole source, rule, and norm for Christian teaching and Christian practice. It is on this day that the third commandment can become a whipping boy in claims to serve the gospel and the constant prodding of the necessity of coming to church. It's, it is a danger for preachers and hearers to both fall into a trap of missing the greatness of the gift of this day. Pastors are tempted to write sermons for all of those who are not feeding on God's word regularly or who relegate it to the heap of all the other words that get spoken throughout the week. Hearers can get angry and feel attacked for their own piety and the busyness of their own lives. The reality is that we can all do better. God's word is important. I don't think anyone here would argue. To set our minds rightly in pondering the gospel text before us, speak with me the third commandment and its meaning. What is the third commandment? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. The word of God is precisely what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. We pray, thy kingdom come. What does this mean? The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that, by His grace, we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. What a beautiful word and a fantastic goal. Nothing is to give us greater joy, but there are many things that compete and vie for more attention, isn't there? Like last week, we have a commonly known parable of which many try to squeeze every meaning out of every detail, which does, not, which does violence to the parable itself, the meaning of which is given by Jesus himself. The parable of the sower describes a rather indiscriminate sower and four different types of soil. Christ tells us that he is the sower and his seed is the word. The types of soil are different types of hearers. You know it is not just God's word, but all of the good gifts of God are abused by the children of this world and often by God's own children. The first group never gives the word a chance. They reject it out of hand. The devil comes and snatches it away from them. The next two groups are similar. They both believe it first, but then give up. Some have no root. They go looking for satisfaction and pleasures of the flesh. Others have their faith choked out by fear for their lives or other losses. The last group is where we want to be. They hear the word with good and noble hearts. They keep it and bear fruit with patience. The hardest part for us is how to properly hear this parable. 
We don't like to be where God places us in these parables. I mentioned the parable of the merciful father last week, which is also known as the parable of the prodigal son. Which son are you in that parable? Many of us would quickly boast that we're the prodigal, forgetting the past, focusing on being restored. It is probably more right to see ourselves actually as the older brother, those who have never actually left. We are here week in and week out, year in and year out. We too chafe at our father, but also at our brothers. In our text this morning, we would quickly say, well, I am the last soil type. This is an easy temptation and not helpful. Rather than hearing this as a description of four distinct types of people, we do better to recognize ourselves and all of them. We need to face the reality that we have occasionally flirted with the devil. We have rejected preaching because we didn't like the preacher or because we thought we were too mature and had nothing else to learn or we were just afraid that God was asking too much of us. God instituted rest to honor us and our work. It is meant to recreate and restore us through his word. Humans need rest. While many would not balk at this, the struggle is what we convince ourselves is rest. Instead of rest, we run to entertainment, or luxury, or amusement. Other times we have heard the word but quickly given it up, pushed it away, so that we might enjoy our sins. We haven't trusted in God to protect the things we wanted to protect. We have sinned against our consciences, doing what we knew was evil and hoping to somehow get away with it. The parable is a warning for us so we don't fool around with the devil and sin. We are to trust God's word. This can be hard and it can take time. Of all the things Americans cherish, I would argue one of the most idolized things is time. We fight to get more. We get upset when time is cut short. We're very particular to start on time and end on time. There's a set time for every event, and any breach on my concept of time is akin to stealing from me. For those who don't know, there was a Lutheran theologian by the name of Johann Gerhard. He was a very faithful and brilliant man. He once observed that in the Old Testament, the Lord declared that only animals that chewed the cud were fit for sacrifices. By a way of analogy, Johann Gerhard said that this was illustrative and a reflection of what God wants in his people. He wants us to not only come to church and read the Bible daily, but to ruminate on it in order that we would continue to derive nourishment from it. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In John 6, Jesus speaks on the importance of eating his flesh that is ever feasting on Christ, his word by faith. We are not meant to be in fasting, but in feasting with our Lord. This is brought ever clear by his birth in a place for animals and laid in the place where they would feed. This is given through his very supper where he declares by his own word that this is his body and his blood given and shed for you to eat and drink for the forgiveness of your sins. Brothers and sisters, you are baptized into Christ. You have the same spirit. By God's grace, he has caused the word to take root in you. By his word, he hangs on to you, transforming your heart into good and noble soil that keeps his word, loves his word, and even grows in patience and brings in a harvest. The promise that God has made to you at baptism is meant for your confidence. You can trust it. God's name is upon you. 
He loves you. But that promise doesn't eliminate the warning of this parable. You are called upon to be a doer of the word as well as a hearer. To be holy even as God himself is holy. To follow Jesus' example and receive his word in a good and noble heart. To chew it like a cow chewing cud. Spiritual warfare doesn't often happen in public arenas with great fanfare. It isn't even often recorded in heroic tales of church history. It happens mostly in your heart and mind, often when you are alone or someplace you don't belong, but also while you sit right here in these pews or kneel at this rail and fight to pay attention, to stay alert, to receive what God is giving. Gerhard has some advice for you. He says the true children of God begin their day with God and with prayer. Do that. Pray in the morning when you wake up and take at least a minute or two to recite a Bible passage or read a bit in the Bible. You might take home our congregation at prayer sheets and stick it on your bathroom mirror. The weekly memory work would be a great morning start. Gerhard also says that the true children of God not only hear the word of God with devout attention at church, but they deliberately repeat what they heard at church at home. He says they write it down and rejoice over it as over a great treasure, thinking of it all week and striving to live according to it. To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. In this God has not made you slaves, but sons. Salvation is passive, but faith is not. It is active and living, cooperative and, and fighting. Fight as one who fights for his king and who has something worth fighting for and know that your reward is not only contentment and peace in your heart here on earth, but also a heaven to come. The parable of the sower is a parable about what modern Lutheran theologians term the visible church and the invisible church. By visible church, we mean the outward reality that we can see with our eyes and judge that which appears to be the church. We cannot see into the hearts of men, so we don't know, strictly speaking, who is a true believer and who is not. But we can see and we can judge an outward communion in the means of grace. This confession of a visible and an invisible church is not a confession of two churches. There is only one church, but we can't quite see it. Our sight and judgment are severely limited both by our mortality and also by our sin. The language of visible and invisible is meant to confess two realities hidden from our sight. The first is that there can be hypocrites who appear to be Christian but who lack faith and aren't true members of the church. We can be fooled by them. They belong only to the outward fellowship and appear to be Christians. We judge only by what we can hear and see and not what we can't. So even though they do not belong to Christ himself, since no man is saved apart from faith, even if he goes through the motions, receives the sacraments, or is utterly sincere, we count them as Christians. Such persons belong to the visible church, but not the invisible. And we accept them as Christians because we have only the evidence of their confession and life. The second reality is that there can be, and there are, believers who trust God's promises in the gospel who are not part of the visible church. We can and we do judge their doctrine, which is confused. We rightly condemn false teaching, but we do not make a judgment as to their salvation. All those who trust the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ are true Christians, even if they are confused about various doctrines or otherwise incapable of making a pure confession. 
We cannot see their faith. We can see their lacking confession, so we know they're not members of the visible church according to what we can see. They are, nonetheless, and most importantly, members of the true church, and we will learn of them and our brotherhood joyously on the last day. With this understanding, Emmanuel and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod are part of the visible church. If you judge that they aren't, then God's word demands that you find a church and a church body that is. When I say that we are part of the visible church, that doesn't mean um, no one but the Missouri Synod gets to heaven, nor that everyone in the Missouri Synod gets to heaven. I only mean that we are in outward communion in the means of grace, which is to say that we are in agreement together on the fundamental doctrines of Christianity as revealed in Holy Scriptures and expressed in the means of grace. Together, we are striving to live according to it and to remain faithful to what has been revealed to us in Scripture. So this is in no way a bit of self-congratulation. To be a part of the visible church, that is, an outward fellowship, is not salutary in and of itself. No man is saved apart from faith. It appeared in the moment that the great crowd that gathered around Jesus when he told the parable was in the visible church, but it soon became apparent that they were not true believers. Jesus saw into their hearts. We can't do that. He knew that some of them would succumb to temptation and fall away. He knew that some were never really believing and hearing his word. Thus he issued the parable. Do not, he says, neglect the word of God or you are a hypocrite and you will fall away. Being a member of the visible church by itself is not enough. Yet, at the same time, being a member of the visible church is necessary because there we are tied to the word that sustains faith. This is where self-examination is of vital importance. One is not a hypocrite simply because you struggle to believe, because you have doubts, or because you sin. See, the world often mistakes honest confession and repentance with hypocrisy. They think that being a hypocrite means to say one thing and do another, but it is more than that. A hypocrite is a person who says one thing while presenting himself to the world as though he believes it and is sincere, but who doesn't actually believe it. See, really, a person who condemns sin but falls prey to it is not a hypocrite. He's a sinner. On this side of glory, all Christians are sinners. They're not hypocrites. They rightly condemn sin because they love God and trust in his word. They believe that God's law is good. They want to follow it. To say that this is hypocrisy would be like calling the Super Bowl losers hypocrites, right? Didn't they say they wanted to win? Didn't they try to win and fail? What a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, Christians struggle with sin. They sometimes fall prey to it. They might even commit horrendous and terrible acts and moments of passion, but they don't remain in it. Christians sin. As they sin, they continue to repent. They continue to make amends, to struggle and to hear God's word. They come back to the church for forgiveness and strength. They come to the place where God's promises, where God promises to be, not because they are perfect like God is perfect, but because he is trustworthy and faithful. They want what he has promised to give, even as they want to keep and obey his law. This is what it is to be rooted, to be in good soil. It is to remain in his word and sacraments and to submit to his good and gracious will. This is why God has given us the visible church, a place for us to receive these things and stay in the faith. So this parable is a warning and promise. 
While Christians face many capable foes in the world, the word of God is trustworthy and steadfast. It delivers what it promises. There is power here for faith, for a life of repentance and joy. The sower sows. His word takes root and grows and bears a harvest in the harshest of conditions, transforming bad soil into good, declaring sinners righteous. Here is where God promises to be for you. Through the visible Though the visible church is afflicted by both imperfect people and even occasional hypocrites, here is where faith is born and maintained. The means of justification are also the means of sanctification. Here in earthen vessels is not mere strength for the day, but strength for eternity. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We sing him LSB 823, May God Bestow on Us His Grace. Bestow on us his grace with blessings rich, provide us, and may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us that we his saving hand. His gracious will and pleasure, and also to the nation show Christ's riches without measure, and unto God convert them. Thine over all shall be the praise and thanks of every nation, and all the world with joy shall raise the voice of exultation, for thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord. Nor suffer sin to flourish. Thy people's pasture is thy word. Their souls to feed and nourish. In righteous paths to keep them. Oh, let 
let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth, thy word is rich in blessing. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit bless us. Let all the world praise Him alone. Let solemn all possess us. Now let our hearts say Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. O God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen.
Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia. Dying, Christ dies to sin once for all. Living, he lives to God. Count yourselves as dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 655, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Final strife and lead us out of. 